Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is the WGC FedEx St. Jude Invitational DFS Preview. That is a mouthful. And joining me, as he does every single week to help me break it all down, it's Greg Ducharme. What up, Greg? I'm, I'm as always, I'm stoked. This week, I'm even more, I'm a little more excited. I really getting into this field today getting into some you know it's interesting because this event we have some course history uh, in kind of a unique way so I, i'm i'm stoked i can't wait and you know what else rick is pretty cool this course you and i may be a little more familiar with as uh guys who play um what is it the the golf club 2019 because this yeah. course is in there this is a video game course. This is yeah. one you can go get your go get your chops in uh, beforehand and see 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 where that water comes into play. Yeah, um, yeah. So there, is, this is a very unique situation. This is our first WGC event uh, since the tour has has come back. So we've got the no cut action. We've got a, an interesting blend of players in the field, and we have course history not necessarily at this event, which we will go through in just a few minutes, but. If you're watching us on YouTube, uh, welcome, subscribe. If you're not, go subscribe. What are you doing? And we're also going to be releasing a little exclusive on YouTube. We're going to break down a couple of plays, a couple of fades for the Barracuda Championship. That's right. Can get a little action on the Barracuda this week as well. All right, great. Uh, WGC, 78 players in this field. Uh, and it is a no-cut event. So barring some WD, barring a disqualification, your guys are getting four rounds. And what we've historically seen is with four rounds, the cream rises to the top. Yeah, it does. And they all have a chance. Well, before I get into that, speaking of cream rising to the top, with our little special, our little unique special here, Barracuda Championship, this is just diversifying your portfolio. So it's really important that you go over to YouTube, subscribe, watch, help diversify your portfolio for this week. So um, all that being said, um, WGCs, you said it before the pod, the, the cream rises to the top and big names typically win. It's rare to see uh, surprise or surprises, especially in the stroke play events. Sometimes yes. in the match play, you get a little more volatility. You get a little more, uh, some guys that are a little more unknown competing and succeeding. But in these events, I mean, it, it's the big names. They, yeah. they always seem to rise to the top and get the job done. And the argument is that the, you know, it's filled with top guys, right? 45 of the top 50 here. But when you're talking about actually winning, I mean, just to read off some of these names. So I'll exclude the match play because you're right. Yeah, and, and not really. Even the match play was Kevin Kisner. There's your outlier. Right. Bubba Watson, Dustin Johnson, Jason Day, Rory McIlroy the last five years. That's unbelievable. Yeah. Th yeah. Then, you, then you go other champions. You're talking Rory, Xander, Rose Hideki, Dustin Johnson's got four in the last five years. Brooks Kepka, Justin Thomas, Phil Mickels. Like it's literally a laundry list of the top players in the world. These are all guys that when you do like a, a YouTube video or something and you put that little advertisement in there, right? When you, the thumbnail, the, these are all player thumbnails. All these guys for a given week are going to get in there and, and that's what you get in the WGC. So it's really fun to watch and it's exciting. And the most fun part, is building DFS lineups. 
what I like about uh, these, these little previews is we always get a little computer tidbit from Greg. He told us about how to search player names on PGA Tour last <laughs> week. This week, it's all about the thumbnail. I love it. I love I'm it. I'm serious about Michael Thompson, by the way. Go type in Michael Thompson. <laughs> You're going to get a Michael Thompson who is a um, – he just won last week. And this Michael Thompson that comes up has his picture, but it's a player who in 1997 competed in a Champions Tour event. I think it was Champions Tour at the time, now PGA Tour Champions, and shot like 79, 81, 82, and made $892. And that's it for the career. So you got to go to the Google page, search Michael Thompson, and then it comes up. It's, it's a bizarre mishap, and it's all thrown off by the thumbnail picture. There you go. I'll throw it all. It's full circle, baby. Uh, before we jump into the field. So what we've been doing is we've been answering listener questions and this is really a win-win opportunity because if you go to the Apple podcast review section and you drop any question you have about DFS lineups, betting, whatever, we will do our best to answer them. First come first serve. Obviously, we like the rating and review. Hopefully, it's five stars. And then we're giving back with some Q&A as well. So I've got a couple for today, Greg. The first one comes from El Gonzo, who says he loves the show. Hey, El Gonzo, appreciate it. We love you, man. Thank you. Uh, he says, do you look at pairings for the first two days at all. He references a few hot pairings recently, you know, Finau, Rom, Gary Woodland. This was from a couple of weeks ago. They can kind of get themselves going and play off one another, uh, which is something that we do see a little bit, Greg. Do you ever consider the pairings in your lineups? Uh, occasionally, especially when we get weather, when there's weather coming in, but it's not, it's less of the pairings and more of the time when they tee off. If you're trying to predict, is there going to be an advantageous group uh, morning, afternoon, afternoon, morning. And then as for who they play with, occasionally there are comfortable pairings that you like guys are playing with their friends, Ricky Fowler, Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth get paired together. That can be a very slight advantage in my handicapping. And then, um, the other thing is, believe it or not, sometimes featured groups, when you get really big groups like mm -hmm. Rory and Tiger and Kepka, for example, like that group may actually, it, it, not right now because there's no spectators, but when there are spectators, sometimes it can get a little crazy and it almost works as a deterrent for that group. And they're like singled out where there's all this craziness around them and it can work in a, as a disadvantage. So because it can go both ways, it, it's a very, very mild aspect to the equation i personally use the pairings more for like showdown situations um you know third round fourth round specifically because and we've seen this a couple of times you know a, a michael thompson richie warinsky pairing on sunday is a more comfortable pairing for those guys than a Richie, you know, then a Michael Thompson Tiger Woods pairing, right? right. Like, and I know Great there's no point. fans out there, but there is kind of more. And we saw Berger, uh, we saw Berger do this at Colonial. He was paired with Varner on the final day, which is like Harold Varner the third, who's like the greatest guy on tour. No fans, Daniel Berger. Like, there's literally no pressure out there. So I prefer to look at it from more of a, a showdown situation. Yeah, and you know what? You can't really over the weekend. It makes more of a difference, I think. Um, overall, it's easier to predict what's going to happen on the weekend because you've kind of got a feel for the event. So it's hard to do in fantasy. It is hard to do, but I'll give a slight edge sometimes when I see one that's especially favorable, but not, not too often. 
El Gonzo also asks about kind of bankroll breakdown. What types of games are you playing? What types of games should he be playing? I think a lot of this is personal preference, Greg. I think that the the industry standard would tell you to play more safe games like your, you know, your head-to-heads, your 50-50s, your double-ups, play more of those than your larger tournaments. But I'll tell you what, I don't really do that. I'm not trying to grind out a 3% ROI over the next five years on on DraftKings or on my DFS sites. Like I'm trying to have a little entertainment, have a little fun and get a couple of lottery tickets um, to, to win a lot of money. Now, with that being said, I think the biggest mistake, Greg, is people put themselves already at a, like, at a disadvantage by contest selection. So you, I would recommend that you only play contests that you can max enter. And whether that is a single entry, there's a ton of those now, whether it's a three max, whether it's a five max or a 20 max, I would recommend that. If you're entering a contest uh, no, with, that you are not max entering, no matter how good your lineups are, you are already at a disadvantage to the rest of the field. So I think that's right. the e- easiest way to, and, and like, I know it's, and you don't have to max enter the Millie maker or whatever, but like, there's a ton of great single entry contests. There's a ton of great three maxes or 20 maxes. I think those are much better and just max them out. Yeah, I love a single entry contest, but yeah. I do find more success personally with um, with spreading it out a little bit. So I wouldn't be afraid of going into like a fifty set. You know, it all it's budget it, it's budget dependent. If you have, are you going to spend one hundred and fifty dollars a week? Are you going to spend five dollars a week? Where are you comfortable? Like I, I don't play to earn a, a living. I don't play to make money. I play to keep myself engaged, keep myself honest. So I'm I'm in a 50 cent game with a lot of different lineups in there and see how the different combinations pair out. I call it an education fee. It's not really, or an entertainment fee, but it's definitely not an investment. So, um, so from that standpoint, what are you going to, I like to spread out lineups and I like to keep it under the budget. And that would be definitely the easiest way to do it. And if you're going to go outside of the fantasy world, which I personally don't do very often, uh, I think our producer Jacob can tell you matchups are probably the the way to go in that sense. I, I find the matchups to be fantastic because if they shoot, you know, you can have guys that are shooting even par in, in the RBC heritage and they're still, you still have something to watch. It, it makes Thursday, Friday, a little more intriguing. Um, and the rest of the tournament holds a little bit less important. So it can be a fun way to watch as well. I love getting a text from Jacob and sweating a Matthias Schwab heads head to head to head or a uh, burned Viesberger head to head. Go ahead, Jacob. Yeah. <laughs> if you are betting matchups, you better be betting matchups of guys who are never going to sniff the broadcast. <laughs> Why is that? So you don't have to watch how terrible it is? Because those are the funnest sweats are just watching Shot Tracker. <laughs> <laughs> just watching that yellow line go. Oh, and try those to are out. sweats. Those That's are brutal. sweats. Uh, we have one last question here. So this is from Terry Bird, and it's kind of um, all in one. So he says, you know, he's kind of new to golf gambling. What things should he take into account as most important? He asks things like players' course history, recent form, their actual win equity, price for the week. Uh, he calls something. He calls it the X factor, like Brooks hating Bryson. I don't really care about that. Um, but like, what factors for you, Greg, are you really weighing? on a, on a decision-making basis. So it depends on the price range. 
Okay. And I'll tell you why the, the guys that are near the top of the price range, you're, you'll find in your research for the most part. And these past couple of weeks, it may be a little bit of an outlier, but you're going to find guys who check all the boxes. They have great stats. Their course history is great. Their recent performance is great. And you have all these guys in the same price range that um, they're, it's hard to differentiate. So in that case, I'm, I look more towards an X factor. Did the guy miss the cut and he's going to be ticked off coming into the week and motivated? Did he lose a heartbreaker and maybe there's going to be kind of an emotional letdown the next week? So those things come into play for tiebreakers. Um, and then as you get down into, for me, as I get down into kind of the lower price ranges um, or, or more long shots and dark horses, recent play is the biggest thing for me. And, and course history would be the 1A, I would say. Course history, a horse for a course, as they say, horses for courses, that can change everything in an instant. It can change everything for a PGA Tour player in a week. Um, but recent form, that confidence can also overcome a course you don't like. So those two things, I would say, are definitely uh, 1 and 1A on my list with guys that are, you're a little less familiar with. Uh, I'm definitely much more interested in the price first, I think. Um, both in fantasy, which is a salary cap game, I think you have to be – very beholden to the price of a player, but also on the betting board where I understand, you know, we're only going to play this golf tournament once, but like if we played it a thousand times, how often would a, would a golfer actually be able to win the golf tournament to return that money? Um, and then I think there's a big difference. And the, the thing that I come across a lot is there's a huge difference between course history and course fit. Uh, course history is like you've actually played the course, right? And you have results there. Course fit to me is more interesting. Like, does it fit a player's eye? Does it fit his skill set? Um, you know, is this a course that you have to be able to hit the ball a long way? Does it have small greens and you need to be a better iron player? Um, are they super fast greens and, and, you know, guys that putt well are usually better in those situations? Like, that's course fit to me. And then almost most of all, like recent form. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's hard. It's really hard for guys to kind of flip a switch on the PGA tour outside of like the top players, get, get the guys who are, who are playing well and look like the course could fit them. Yeah. It's huge. Especially in the lower price ranges. These guys, you see a guy like Richie Wierenski last week, just to go back to it, a couple like top 30 finishes in a row. And it's just enough to give you that confidence where it's worth taking a chance on the guy, right? He's probably betting to win is probably a long shot, but getting him in a fantasy lineup at his price may be really valuable. So you're just, I, I always like to say it, you're in some of these lower price ranges, you're grasping for straws. The first one that I look to, it sounds like you agree, Rick, recent form. Recent form, $10,000 range. Let's get into it. John Rahm is first start as the number one player in the world at $11,400 on DraftKings. Rory McIlroy, $11,200. Bryson DeChambeau, 11000 flat. Justin Thomas, 10700 And Patrick Cantlay, I don't know if I was surprised to see him make uh, the $10,000 range here, but he is $10,100. Greg, none of these guys played last week. They all took the week off. Uh, all of them played the Memorial. I mean, where are we heading above $10,000 hairs? So this is an interesting one. Again, I, I like in a lot of these with these top dogs to kind of back my way into it because as I as we said earlier, there's a lot to like about all these players. And to say that any one of these guys is a definite fade is like, it, honestly, it's kind of crazy to, to 
intentionally fade one of these guys. So a lot of what I do is, unless there's a guy that really jumps out at me that says, okay, this guy, this is his tournament to win. I love him this week. Then I'll start with him. Other than that, I'm going to back in, see where he fits to my price range. Uh, and I'm going to try to get a little bit of all of them in some place, in some way, shape or form. So who do I like this week in this price range? Well, Bryson, I have question marks about first and first and foremost. I'm very interested to see how this course accepts his new distance, but he basically doesn't have a, a finish inside the top 45, I believe, so far at TPC Southwind. There's some really tight landing areas. There's some water, uh, some small greens that get very firm, and the ball, especially now that it's Bermuda, and the ball can kind of chase off the greens. And Bryson's short game is something that can concern me. So. You know, at, at, in, once you're in the $11,000 range, you're looking for a guy who, who you think can really win. And I do think Bryson can, but that is a question mark for me. With Rory, the question mark for me is the putting. Is Rory going to get to Sunday? And Rick, you tweeted a great stat about Rory's strokes gain throughout the week. Uh, and a lot of that, I would imagine, a lot of his um, struggles on Sunday come from putting. Rory misses a short putt early in a tournament and he can eject and, and a T five for Rory can feel like a horrible week because of a really bad Sunday. And I'm not confident that he's got the, the putting straightened out just yet. So Rory, as good as he looks uh, um, on paper at this venue coming in second place, or it wasn't second. It was like tied fourth last year, but he was in the final group. It's just a, you know, a little bit, a little bit tough for me to play Rory. And uh, before I forget, we need to explain this. So TPC Southwind has been on the PGA Tour. It is a staple on the PGA Tour, but it is not a staple for this WGC event. So TPC Southwind was the host at the FedEx St. Jude Classic up until last year where that was elevated to a WGC. This took over the spot of what? Bridgestone? That's right. It was the Bridgestone. And this event started, well, the the classic started in 1989. So it's had a really long history. Um, And and most of these guys have some sort of course history here. But you're right, Rick. Course history, not event history. This is not the same event Tiger Woods has won eight times. Right. So if you look at this, you have to be careful. It depends where you're getting your information from. If you're looking at tournament history or you're looking at course history because because daniel berger for example in the wgc version of this event finished 48th in 2018 17th in 2017 and missed the cut in 2016 but at tpc southwind which is where we're playing at the fedex st jude classic he won in both 2016 and 2017 so you have to like either flip back and forth or remember that that's what's going on this week yeah, it's a, a hugely important thing to pay attention to. So all course history for me. Um, but Rick, I, you said, who do I like? I went with all fades. But I got to I gotta ask you, do you, what do you think about John Rahm? Just becoming world number one? Are you high on him? Are you low on him? I will probably not play as much John Rahm. I mean, he's been phenomenal for five straight rounds. Generally speaking, him to be able to keep up the, the level of golf he has played over the past five rounds, a week and one round is it's hard to do. It's really hard to do. And now you've got every player in the world trying to chase you down. I, I will probably by week's end here, or by the time, by the time we get to Thursday or whatever, I will probably convince myself Rory McIlroy is going to win this golf tournament. Um, and I like 
where he's priced. So if other people do opt to go up and spend the full amount on John Rahm, that's fine. I think that Bryson and Justin Thomas will get a lot of action at 11,000 and 10,700. And I think Rory is kind of, for I don't want to say he's forgotten. He's not forgotten, but like Rory is unbelievable. And he's unbelievable when you guarantee him four rounds, which is what we're going to get this week. He has one finish outside the top 11 in his last 13 WGC events. It's unbelievable. Like those are deep fields uh, with the best players in the world. And he is consistently 12 out of the last 13 times finding himself essentially in the top 10. It's bonkers. Yeah. And when you look at this statistic, the statistical breakdown for this week, are you thinking T to green is the most important thing? Where's your area of importance stacking up? So the model that I ran um, actually had around the green being important, which is always scary, but it, it makes sense because Southwind has the third smallest greens on the PGA Tour. So yeah. there's, a, there's a lot of missed greens and guys have to kind of get up and down. So I, I don't usually weigh around the green stuff as much because it's, it's very volatile. The lies are so different from one another. Every lie is different. So it's hard to do. So I'm generally a tee to green guy, but I – understand with these small greens it could be an up and down type of week yeah and i agree with that because guys are going to miss greens as we said they've added a little bit of length to the golf course when it gets firm and fast it's hard to hit a lot of greens but that also at the same time does definitely put a premium on uh on the ball striking right and and hitting solid shots and being able to hold some of these greens what's an advantage that rory mcelroy certainly has um and all these players do, right? Bryson's going to have tiny little clubs into these greens, maybe from the rough, but he's going to have nothing in um, just because he's hitting it so far. Rom is an exceptional – see, this is my thing about John Rom. He just has all the – he checks all the boxes. He has a short game, won him the tournament at the Memorial. It's fantastic, and he's driven. The only concern I have with Rom is that price point. Uh, being the high – I very rarely go with the highest price guy because um, they basically have to win to pay off for themselves. Is John Rahm going to win back-to-back weeks? It's certainly possible, but if you ran the event a thousand times, as you'd like to say, Rick, the spreadsheet probably doesn't have him winning uh, all that often. So, But his game suits it so good, it's hard for me. But then, like, Thomas and Cantlay, very similar in their, in their um, course history. T- tied 12th for Patrick Cantlay last year, and I want to say Justin Thomas was also – tied 12th last year i have him yeah they were they both tied for 12th last year in their only uh in their only trip here and they're great iron players which um hitting small greens going to be important so i for me i look at this and i think justin thomas and patrick cantlay are my most solid plays in this range i was gonna say if you if you just want to autopilot pick one of these guys at the top i think it's justin thomas i mean i think he's got the fourth um you know, the fourth highest price, so you get a little bit of savings from the other guys. He's just as good, just as likely to win. You plug and play, you don't have to worry about it. Uh, that, yeah, it's, it's Rory who I think is like the, you have to be a little bit comfortable if he goes out and finishes, you know, 21st again in a field of 70, whatever. It's not, it's not great. Yeah. $9,000 range. This is where things start to get really interesting, Greg. It's led by Webb Simpson. He's at 9,900. Xander is in here. Terrell Hatton, Daniel Berger. I mean, it goes all the way down to Matthew Fitzpatrick at 9,000. And oh, by the way, includes some of the biggest question marks that we have out there. Brooks Kepka, Dustin Johnson, Tony Finau. Um, this is a wild one. Who do, you, who do you like? 
Man, uh, this whole – I like everybody in this except for <laughs> the guys you just met. And, and Fino, it's hard to say no to Fino because he's been playing so great. It's just can he figure something out on Sundays? Is there a point where this is going to kind of send him into a, a bad place or can he keep up the great play and give himself another chance to win? But DJ and Kepka are the fades here for me, and we don't even need to spend too much time talking about them. Yeah. They. They could still win. That's the hard part about this range is stacked. I love Webb Simpson this week. Xander, Xander seems to be this forgotten guy. Like in a WGC, he, with four rounds especially, we remember yep. what he did at the Memorial. He's a stud, and he's one of the best players in the world. And you give him four rounds, he's, he's going to rise to the top. So Xander's, I, Xander's the no-cut guy. He won. Yeah. He won tournament of champions. He won uh, WGC HSBC. We his his at the mercy ceiling, of Tony Finau, by the way. Yeah, his ceiling is so high round by round, but his floor is very low. Like he has really terrible rounds. I mean, he did that. I think round one at the Memorial, he shot like seventy eight or something. Now he played awesome the rest of the week, but he a lot of weeks can play himself out of it in with one bad round. Uh, but when you guarantee him four, it's much more likely that you get that one or two really nuclear rounds where he goes nuts and plays himself like to the top of the leaderboard. I, I, I think that Xander is certainly an interesting option this week. Yeah. And then you go below him to 9,700 and you have Tyrrell Hatton. He hasn't finished outside the top 14 so far this year, right? He's first in strokes gain total. He's second strokes gain putting, third strokes gain approach to green. Like name a statistical area that's important and Hatton excels in it. So it's really hard for me to stay away from him. His course history isn't quite as good. I think another like a tied 45th in his um, rendition at this venue. So, but Hatton to me is a different player this year. He's playing with an extreme amount of confidence and you have to like him. And then Berger's just the same. Daniel yep. Berger, positive, as you like. You, you mentioned this every week, it seems. He's positive in every strokes gain category. He's 13th in putting, which is important every single week. Uh, he's great off the tee, great approaching the green, playing great, and he's won twice here. In 2018, he missed the cut. He had a wrist injury. So, if you so, could only play Terrell Hatton or Daniel Berger, you could only play one of them. Who, who is it? It's a, it's a coin flip, but I got to say, I mean, because burger has been playing so well too, I, I think I go burger slight edge, um, very slight edge. Cause I, I'm, I wonder if Hatton's success is going to like, is this, I still have the question with him. Is this, is this real? Like, is he really this good? Cause this is one of the best players in the world. And if he, if Hatton wins this week, in my opinion, he goes to the top of the player of the year race. Um, cause he would then have two wins, two really big wins. So I, yeah, you know, he, I, I just, I wonder if that, if, if he's really that caliber of player. That's interesting. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I legitimately asked that question and, and wasn't sure I had an answer for it. Um, I, I guess I'm fine with Berger. He's played more often the Hatton thing, as much as I love Hatton, it, it would be pretty incredible if he could hold up essentially 2.8 strokes gained per round. I mean, that's, that's massively historic level stuff like it's really really good yeah. and he doesn't have a large sample size so we're, we're gonna find out as he plays more we're gonna find out if this is the real deal or not um webb finished runner up here last year to brooks kepka and he's he won three starts ago he's he's always the guy who's kind of just hanging in there at, at 99 100 bucks but i i do think that this section um 
the Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kepka, Tony Finau section, and I'm not sure I'll do this, but like someone in there could win somebody a million dollars because I don't think DJ will be popular. I don't think Brooks will be popular. And Finau is probably the most interesting because he's been good. It's just like if you told – okay, if I told you, Greg, uh, Tony Finau finished third and eighth in his last two starts, you would be stoked to roster him this week if that's all you knew. Right. Playing great. I mean, and the form goes back longer than that. He's been playing great for a really long time. And he fits your statistical model, right? I mean, he's gaining T to green. I think over the weekend this past week, he didn't gain T to green. But watching, he gave himself countless birdie opportunities. Almost every hole on the back nine, he had a a great look for birdie. Uh, Maybe 13 being the exception. But, yeah, I mean, you, you would love to play that guy. You just wonder, is the pressure, is he feeling the kind of media he – Tony Finau is a guy who's not used to being the story. Last week, he was the story. At the Memorial, he was the story in a negative way, and, and that's not a common place for Tony Finau. So I wonder how he's going to handle that. But if he can handle it, you're right. I mean, you might be one of the few to, to own him. We shall see. Uh, The 8K range gets even crazier, so we're going to jump into that. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. And we're back. All right, Greg, another chance this week to win $1,000 with no need to even put your own money at stake. Just go to cbssports.com slash golf props to play. There is a full tournament game with $1,000 on the line. And I've got one of the questions here for you, Mr. Greg. And this is a pretty interesting one. Who will have the better finishing position? That's it. That's all you have to tell me. Tommy Fleetwood or Henrik Stenson. Now remember, this is Stenson's first event since the tour restart. Yeah, that's the hard one. And Fleetwood's coming off of a miscut, uh, which was just a brutal kind of round to watch for him on Friday afternoon. But, you know, th- this is a really hard one, and I battled with this for a little bit. I'm going to go with Fleetwood here for one reason only. He's got two extra rounds under his belt. They're very similar players in their category. And the other thing that I like is Fleetwood – finished uh, inside the top five here last year. I think he was T4. If he was not, it was solo fourth. So um, so I'm going to go Fleetwood here with a slight edge. Um, and I, 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 the tie the tie is a nice bump. Like, it's nice <laughs> to throw a stents in the bump, but um, I, I don't, that's a very unlikely outcome. Um, I agree with you. I would also pick Tommy Fleetwood, although I, I put these two together in this prop because it's the unknown entity of Tommy Fleetwood last week and the unknown entity of Henrik Stenson it's this week. Brilliant. Now, yeah, it's, it's very well done. I thought Fleetwood, um, this is very easy to say, but when, you're, when he was in the middle of the fairway, he was awesome. Like he fired darts. And the issue was when he got in a couple of awkward situations like – uh, he was in like a fairway bunker, which was the ball was kind of below his feet. It was a little awkward. He had a couple of lies that I'm sure he has not had anywhere since like the Arnold Palmer Palmer Invitational, where he kind of blew it up. So I, I liked what I saw from Tommy Fleetwood, which kind of leads me into this eight thousand dollar range. He he's the buy low guy. He he is the buy low guy who was very popular last week, burned everybody. He's like two thousand dollars cheaper, and he probably just knocked the rust off. Yeah, I, I don't know if two rounds was enough to knock the rust off. It, it very, very well may, could be. 
But I, this is another one of those ranges where there's so much to like around him. I have a hard time with Fleetwood here. And I, I do think, like, I think Patrick Reed is a little bit of a buy low guy who I like. Uh, and, and I'm not sure how popular some of these other guys are going to be. I mean, you can timestamp this, uh, Jacob, but Jordan Spieth, he may be a buy low guy. Uh, can we just start with, with him? Like, where, do you, where are you with Jordan Spieth right now? Uh, probably nowhere good. I, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I just like, I got to see more. Like, I think, yeah. I think, um, it wasn't last week. It was two weeks ago. Right. That he played. Uh, right. I think, I think it was, it gives you reason to have hope, but we've seen this before, right? Like I think maybe four rounds is better because you, you're not worried about that one really bad round where he, where he blows it up and, and misses the cut. Uh, I know for a fact he's going to grind over every shot for me for four rounds. So, like, if I roster him, if I bet him, I know that if he's out of it on Thursday, he's not giving up, which is always nice to know. But I, him and Jason Day, while they're both playing better than we've seen them play in the last year, I still need more. I need to see more. Yeah, I'm, I'm much more confident with Jordan than I was entering the Memorial. I will say that, but I tend to agree with you. And on a course where you have some trouble to find, right? There's a lot of penalty areas out there. There's a lot of water out there. You could hit it behind a tree very quickly. I worry about Jordan Spieth in that sense. So I, 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 he piques my interest, and I'm wondering, is this the week to buy low on him? But I think at the end of the day, I'm a fade on him. There is a guy in here, and I wonder what his ownership is going to come in at. Uh, Billy Horschel's 8,500. And he's been like pretty good. I think, don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure if you did a um, combined score of Mirfield Village, like you just took like the two, the two weeks total, Billy Horsher would have like won that event because he finished seventh at Workday and he finished 13th at the Memorial. Maybe not in combined score, but like average finish. Right. I, th- I think he yeah. was like the best. Pretty uh, good. Yeah, pretty good. And he finished, not only did he finish ninth at, TPC Southwind at this event last year. He also had another top 10 at the last WGC event that we had, which was Mexico where Patrick Reed won. So he's used to these big fields. He's playing well at the moment. He's 8,500 and he's another grinder. He's very much cut from the same cloth as Jordan Spieth, where those guys are like, like every shot seems like it's the 72nd hole at Augusta national for them. Like I, I like that in my lineups. Yeah, I understand completely. Um, the other thing about Billy Horschel that I like that piques my interest is he's really good on Bermuda grass. Right? You get him on Bermuda and they're all, like all the venues that he plays well seemingly are kind of, maybe not all of them, all of them's a long, say, saying a lot, but he plays well on a lot of Bermuda grass golf courses. And I'm sure there's a figure to, to back that up, which I don't have. But I, I like the Billy Horschel pick. It's an interesting one. But there's just there's a couple other guys in this that I really like that I, I put slightly ahead of them. One of them is Abraham Answer. He's yeah, been baby. playing great, right? He's been playing great, and he just continues to hit fairways. He continues to hit greens, and he's another grinder. He is going to gut it out. And if, it gets, if the going gets tough for him, he's not going to quit, which benefits a guy in, in a four-round event. He is not going to check out. I promise you that. So I love Answer, and I really think his game fits here. And then the other guy that I have in mind is Sergio Garcia. And I think Sergio Garcia being in that 8K kind of range there, being at 8K flat, I think is a huge, uh, I I think there's a huge value here. 
one, well, he's won before. I know it's been a while, but he's a, he's an experienced player. He's not going to be intimidated by the field that he's playing in. He does have a T4 here back in 2008. I know that's a long time ago, um, but, but it is a place where he has played well. And I think it's a course fit uh, to your point earlier, Rick. And he's been playing pretty well, uh, tied fifth at the RBC Heritage, tied 32nd at the Travelers, tied 32nd at the Memorial. When a player is finishing in that range, that, that T32, uh, T25, like around there, those are guys that are still playing well. And they just don't quite put it all together. And this could be a week where Sergio Garcia puts it all together. I don't mind it. Uh, Ricky Fowler's here. I don't know what we're doing with him. We have not seen him. Yeah, I mean, I guess he missed the cut at the Memorial, so that was the last time we saw him. He's now missed four of his last seven cuts dating back to Honda. Um, we know the swing change stuff. He might just be a wait-and-see guy too. Yeah, he is because, look, if he figures it out this week and has a great week, is he going to win the golf tournament? I, I don't think he has as much win equity as Jordan Spieth, quite frankly. Uh, I think if Jordan Spieth gets in contention, he has a better chance of winning than Ricky Fowler. So this is like a Tony Finau who's not playing well versus a Tony Finau who's playing great. Like you, you're limited in your win equity because they just don't do it very often. Um, and they're also Ricky being a big name is going to be more popular than he should be just about every single week. So uh, that gives me concerns. He's a, he's a fade for me. $7,000 range. Uh, it is led by Matthew Wolf at 7,900. My pick to win last week, Paul Casey, seven, like he's what, $3,000 cheaper now. So, uh, Paul Casey at 7,800, all the way down to Kevin Kisner and the most recent champion on the PGA Tour, Michael Thompson at a flat $7,000. Anybody in here that I could offer you, Greg? There's a couple of grinders in this group that I really like. Um, and now we start getting to where I, I'm, I'm getting excited about this, uh, about making these lineups down in this range. Because these are guys that you don't necessarily get to pick a lot. Um, and I feel really good about them. So one of them is, uh, is Ian Poulter. And I, I put mm. this in one of my uh, places here. I wonder where I put it. But anyway, Ian Poulter, putting great and playing great, which both of these things go a long way for me, as you may know. Um, and he's a, he is a grinder and I have his recent finish it. I have him hang on. Oh, here we go. Here we go. So 2019, he came in eighth, which was the big, this is the WGC, WGC field. So he had the full field strength came in eighth place in 2014. Um, he came in tied six. So in his last three starts, he is finished inside the top 31 every single time, including the eighth and the sixth, uh, tied six. Charles Schwab Challenge, T29, RBC Heritage, T14, Workday Charity Open, T5. The Memorial, he missed the cut. But look, it got windy, a really hard golf course. I give guys a pass on that if, if their recent form before the Memorial was really good. I think this is a great opportunity to reset. And I think a guy who putts the way Ian Poulter does uh, and a guy who has the intensity that he does, I think it bodes really well for, um, for a four-round event. Uh, I certainly don't mind Poulter. You know, he's he's kind of opposite of the guys I usually like, right? Because he makes his hay yeah. on and around the greens. But right. I will say this, and we've seen this for years, um, he raises his game to the stage that he is on. 
whether that is the Ryder Cup, whether it is, I mean, you mentioned the the eighth place finish at this, this TPC Southwind version of this WGC last year. He finished 10th at what was Bridgestone the year before. So it wasn't at TPC Southwind, but the fact that you get a collection of 75 of the best players on the face of the earth and Ian Poulter continues to find himself in the top 10 of them, I, I believe it is noteworthy, Greg. So I'm, I'm cool with this. Um, I will tell you, I've been so impressed and I think that's the, the the only word I can use with Matthew Wolf over yeah. the last over the last couple of weeks because he was let's be real he won 3M last year and was bad like that's that's what happened and he and it's fine because he's 20 years old and now he's 21 and he's going to be all over the place but I've been so impressed with um, the sec he almost won the Rocket Mortgage if Bryson didn't just beat him over the head with his driver you know, in the, on the, in the yeah. final round there. And then he finishes 22nd at the Memorial. He gutted out, he gutted it out at the 3M. Like it feels like his game is maturing and he's yes. starting to figure it out and he's finding some level of consistency. Now, I don't know if this field is too big for him this week or whatever, but like uh, my long-term outlook on Matthew Wolf has um, significantly improved in the last month. I think he's looking at Victor Hovland and Colin Morikawa and all the success they're having and all the publicity they're getting. And he's saying, wait a second, in college, you could argue that I was better than both of these guys. I mean, I, I, I can play with these guys and I'm, and he may believe he's better than them. So good for him. Cause he has every right to um, as good as, and I'm not taking anything away from Morikawa and Hovland. <laughs> right. believe me. So I I'm so impressed with him. We know about his talent and I'm with you. I think he, I've been waiting to say this for about a month now. He is finding a level of consistency. So I am, I'm all over. I love the wolf pick with you. I think you take a chance. It is still, a, it's a risk, right? It's definitely a risk, but I think it's one worth taking. The only, not, not the only other guy, but the other guy I want to talk about who is now $7,500 is Sung JM, which if you would have told me this a month ago or five weeks ago, I, I don't know what it would have taken for him to get to $7,500. But what it's taken is a lot of really poor play. And he, he does not have a finish inside the top 50 since Colonial, since the first event back in the restart. And he's lost strokes on approach in five straight. Now, got the week off last week. Doesn't take a lot of week, weeks off. I hope, would hope that he has figured something out that is not as bad as what we've seen, but I, I'm jarred to see Sung JM at $7,500. Yeah, it's surprising. But look, he's young, and that's part of the problem. Like, it, It's hard for me to go out and take a real risk on a guy that's struggling when we haven't seen him go through a struggle before. Like this is a, a, a big thing about Jordan Spieth. We saw him have success early, and he just – he just continued to have success. It never, it, it didn't stop. And when it finally did, when, when it eventually did stop, it became really hard for him to get out of it. I'm not saying that's going to happen with Sung JM by any stretch of the imagination. All I'm saying is it's unpredictable. We don't have any, we don't have a model. We don't have a um, kind of, we haven't gone through a full business cycle for lack of a better term. So <laughs> I don't know where to, it's hard for me to predict the future with a guy that's had extremely high, high, and now it's kind of getting into a lull, but is there anybody that the layoff hurt more than Sung Jae? No, Sung Jae, Sung Jae and Rory. Those were the yeah. two guys that were just absolutely rolling and crushing everybody. And it has been, uh, it could not be a, a different story since the break. And you add into Sung Jae, like he, he 
lives here but doesn't have a house here like rory's rory's fine rory rory's fine there's there's no feeling sorry for rory mcelroy right but with Sung i do Jay not in, feel like, sorry the guy for lives rory out of McElroy. his truck right he, so yeah. it, it really it, it really hurt him and and um that is purely in a golf sense i'm not talking anything about any of the other stuff that has hurt everybody but purely performance sung jay has i mean man it, it's uh it's tough so i hope he turns it around but i'm not playing him this week six thousand dollar range this is where if you want to get some of the top guys, you've got to fill it out here. This is where we get some of the guys who get exemptions from other tours around the world. Uh, there, there are some names here. Uh, I mean, it starts with Kevin Streelman and Rafa Cabrera Bayo. They're 6,900. It goes all the way down to the min price where you're talking about Lucas Herbert, who won. Oh my gosh, this feels like forever ago. Remember when remember when there was like four consecutive Australian winners? Yeah. The world? Oh. He was one of them. Like it was like yeah. Jan- it was like December and January. Remember that? Yeah, I do. I do. Uh, well, that's why he's here. That's why he's here. So I is there any I mean, my buddy Burns Viesberger's in here. Phil Mickelson's in here. I, I don't know who I could offer you that moves the needle. Is there anybody? Yeah, uh, and I'm trying to find him in his price here, but um Oh, there he is, 6,700. Ches Reeve, uh, mm. he definitely interests me. You look at the, some of the course history, and look, Ches Reeve is not the most exciting player out there, right? He kind of plays a boring, strat- boring style of game. But this is the kind of course where that can really work. Uh, I'm not saying he's going to win the thing, but it can really help. L- listen to some of this course history. Last year, tied 27th. That's you know solid, but nothing to write home about. 2018 tied 6th, 2017 tied 4th, 2015 tied 12th, um, 2013 tied 27th. So really, he seems to have uh, great success here just about every single year. So I definitely like Ches Reevy. I think it's a great course fit. And it's one of the few places where his advantage of driving accuracy turns out to be an advantage. It's a very rare thing on tour. Um, but this week, even though the rough is generally pretty low, it's going to be an advantage. It's going to allow, and to add to that, he's been playing pretty well. The Workday Charity Open, tied 17th. The Memorial T22nd, also a place where solid ball striking um, at Jack's place turned out to be pretty adv- advantageous. I, I actually kind of like this too. Um, there's, there's not a stat for this, but if you combine approach and around the green, which I guess if you think of it this way, with small greens, you want to hit them, obviously. But if you're not hitting them, you need to be able to get up and down. So if you look for guys that are good in both of those categories, you add them up. I mean, Reeves, Reeves, pretty good in both of them. And I'm trying to just you know do some quick mental math here. There is nobody else except maybe no, not even Corey Connors. Uh, I mean, anybody within a thousand dollars of him that can compete in in both of those categories when you when you add them both up. So I do think it's an interesting option. Um, I will say this about my my guy Burned from last week. So Viesberger, who's now sixty five hundred, terrible in round one. He was thirteen under over the final three rounds, seventh best score over the final three rounds. Unfortunately did a lot of it on the greens, which always scares me, but I, I think that's a good sign. We talk about grinders a lot, Greg, guys that aren't going to give it up. You know, yeah. he, he could have easily, I mean, when you're two over at TPC twin cities on Thursday, uh, you can start packing the, the car and you yeah, it showed out. a lot to go shoot five under on that Friday and Friday wasn't easy. So it, it was great to see. I agree. I got one other guy for you. Sure. This is, if you are going to put yourself, you want to get John Rom, you want to get Rory McIlroy in your lineup. You may need a guy like this. And 
look, it's another kind of safe pick way down at 6,200 and it's Joel Damon. And I, I feel like I pick him all the time down in this range, but I feel like he pays off all the time. So um, he has a tied 18th year in 2017. He's just cut, but look, he's $6,200. So we're risking here. Um, and the recent play has been, aside from uh, Muirfield Village, which you could argue, I mean, he missed a cut and he came in 74th. You could argue, of course, doesn't really fit him very well. Aside from that, I mean, tied 20th at the Travelers, tied 19th at the Charles Schwab, and before the layoff, it was great. Um, and, and he's a really solid ball striker. He's 32nd off the tee. Um, he is 37th tee to green. So I, I think he's a guy that has the kind of makeup similar to a Ches Reeve where it's kind of a boring style of get the mm. ball in play, get it on the green, um, and then and see what you do from there. I guess you worry a little more with him about the short game and the putting than you do with Reavy, but you're saving $500. So I, I think if you need a guy, he's kind of a safe, a safe option down there. All right, I'll give you one too. Um, Mackenzie Hughes is 6,400. Now, complete opposite of what I normally yeah. like. He's, a, he's the short game guru. He's awesome around the greens. He's awesome on the greens. Not very good in the other aspects. But what I like about Mackenzie Hughes, because this is, I don't want to say it's rare, but it's not common. He finishes highly. Like, okay, so he finished second at Honda to Sungjae. Bermuda he greens. Finished, he finished third at Travelers, and he finished sixth at the Memorial. So you're talking about three top six finishes in his last six starts, half of them. He's going to be volatile. He's going to be all over the place, but sometimes I want that. Sometimes I want somebody who can be 6,400 and go out and finish T9 and really make my week. Love it. I, lo- I love that pick. He's a, I didn't even see his name. He didn't, his name didn't catch my eye. But a vo- the volatility down in this range can be great. So I'm all in. Great pick. Embrace it. Uh, all right, Greg. I think that's going to do it, my man. We are going to be back. On the airwaves again this weekend on CBS. Remember that. Also, another preview pod coming your way where everybody will be here. We'll do our matchups. We'll do our storylines. Maybe we'll do props. So don't miss out on that. Make sure you're checking out the feed all the time. You can find Greg on Twitter at TheRealGFD. You can find me on Twitter at RickRunGood. This has been The First Cut. We'll catch you next time.